0: The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation.
1: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Know the Score. I'm your host Don Delorente. I'm joined this week by Nabaas Wilborn. What's going on, Nabaas?
0: Man, another day in the jungle, man. You
1: know, it's out here trying to make it, brother. All right, brother. Well, we're going to let everybody know that you can find No Score on csbn.us. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. So we're going to get right into it as we have the baseball playoffs currently in full swing. Uh, they got started earlier this week on Tuesday and Wednesday nights with the AL and NL wildcard games. Uh, the Yankees used three home runs to defeat the Twins, eight to four. Twins got out to a hot start. I hit a leadoff home run, and then a two-run homer in the first inning to get a 3-0 lead, but the Yankees erased that in the first inning, and then it was on from there. Uh, they got a two-run homer from Judge, another homer from Gardner, and uh, their bullpen held off the Twins late in the game. They won 8-4 to, to advance to play the Cleveland Indians. Nobody's you could get, get a chance to, uh, to catch that game on Tuesday?
0: Yeah, it was actually pretty entertaining, man. I mean, you know how it goes, man. Um, baseball is one of those weird, quirky things, like One minute, you know, you're riding high. The next minute, you're down. I mean, if you look at just even last night, or Mm -hmm. I guess what, this airs on Sunday, so, yeah, we're recording on Saturday. So, um, yeah, if you look at, and, yeah, the series is now 2-0 with the Yankees Indians, right? So, you look at yesterday in that game, they were up 8-3. Corey Kluber, who was the star for the Indians, probably, if not Cy Young, definitely in the top three of the Cy Young in the American League this year, Mm -hmm. Um, after the Indians won a game, you know, that maybe they – maybe people thought they maybe wouldn't have, you know. Um, and they win the first game. And then they come out, second game, Corey Kluber struggles, has a tough night. They're down 8-3. That's the, you know, they tied, and that's still you know, they win it. I mean, right. you know, Francona is a very special manager. I think he's the best manager in baseball right now. Um, I don't see how the Indians don't win. But yeah, the Yankees game, you know, you look at it, the Yankees-Twins game, shout out to the Twins, because it's so interesting, right? Like, they traded for Bartolo Colon. They traded for Jaime Garcia, ironically, from the Braves, which I'm sure I'll talk to some Braves a little bit later. Not so positively, but <laughs> you look at what happened there, right? Mm-hmm. So then they traded Garcia back, and they're like, yo, we don't think we're going to be any good. So we traded Garcia to the Yankees, and then all of a sudden the Twins still find a way to get into the playoffs. So yeah. I think that's good for them after losing 103 games last year. I think that's a young team that has a way to go. I think that they have shown that they compete and, you know, those guys coming into next year will be even better. So right. watch out for the Twins as they continue to evolve and progress in that AL Central. But, yeah, the Yankees, man, I mean, they started out good and then now they're down 2-0 in the series, which all that really means is the Indians held court at home in Cleveland. So and we'll see what happens
1: in New York. Right. Over in the National League, we had the Diamondbacks. They outslugged the Colorado Rockies on Wednesday night to win 11-8. to The Diamondbacks had an unprecedented four triples in this game. They also got an early homer from uh, Goldschmidt to kind of set the tone. Uh, the Rockies just could never get even. They would always be one run down, two runs down. Uh, Ornado story went back-to-back to pull them within one in the uh, seventh inning. But then again, the triples reared their ugly head, and Diamondbacks got – Enough breathing room to to bring that one home. And so they got the chance to face the Dodgers last night. Uh the Dodgers won nine to five. Justin Tunner had five RBIs. Homer and uh Kershaw gave up four homers, but uh he got enough support from his offense. yasiel Puig had a big triple RBI triple in the game as well. Um how do you see this Dodgers-Diamondbacks series going? Do you think that they can stretch it out to five games with the Diamondbacks pitching? I mean, they had to go through a lot of pitching when they played Colorado because that game got crazy. Uh, Grinky, I think, went well, three, four innings.
0: And, but, you know, that's the postseason, though, man. That's how, kind of how it goes. All those relievers are going get stretched out. So, you know, if it's not like a game in June or a game in May where, you know, the starter's struggling, the pitch, the manager might keep them out there. Like if they, the manager sees any slight struggle, He's getting that starting pitcher out of there, no matter who it is. No matter it, it's Kershaw, whomever. I mean, like I said, I mean, Kluber last night went, you know, three and two-thirds. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you typically want your starter, even in today's watered-down era, you still want to start at least give you six. At least give you, you know, six and a third, get into that seventh inning, you know? So, it's it'll be interesting to see how that bullpen manages. They did burn a lot of guys, but, you know, they've been going all year and, It's just that time of the year, so we'll see what they do. I think the Dodgers are the better team. I think the Dodgers win that series. But it just goes to show you just how tough that NL West was. I mean, you saw three teams make the playoffs. And the Rockies could have won that game against the Diamondbacks. Or, you know, the Diamondbacks won. So I think the Dodgers are the best team. I think now they're going to really start to get into their bag. I think they'll be
1: good. All right. Now, the two matchups that were already set were the Astros facing off against the Red Sox over in the American League. Uh, Jose Altuve got his name in the record books in the first game. Three home runs. Uh, The Astros won eight to two. And then we had a replay as uh, they won eight to two again on Friday. Um, Just all around effort in this game. Uh, The Red Sox pitching is in shambles. Um, They've burned through they had to burn through two starters in this last game just to finish it. So I don't know what they're going to do coming up for, um, you know, it seems to be the theme of this, this, uh, you know, a uh, playoffs right now is just people just using up their, their, their pitching. So the Red Sox are in big trouble though, because their offense is in shambles.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, look, the Astros are a really good team, man. And, you know, they struggled a bit in the second half and then picking up Verlander was a really big, you know, kick of the ass. I mean, a couple of their star players said it out loud in the media hey man you know look man we're trying to win a world Series here. y'all need to get us some help like it's great that y'all you know have built the built us through the farm system and all that stuff but uh we need some help you know we're trying to win this thing and they didn't get it at the tread deadline some guys were upset and you can kind of tell they were a little bit down about it but then a couple weeks later you get just a verlander and verlander was still verlander so um, this playoff is going to be really fun. I think when it's all said and done, when it does settle, I think we'll see Astros versus Indians in the ALCS, and that will be a really fun ALCS. All
1: right? All right. Over in the National League, the Cubs went into Washington and shut out the Nationals last night. Three to nothing. Uh, Kyle Hendricks with another awesome performance, kind of the theme of his second half. He's been probably their best pitcher in the second half. And the Nationals uh, wasted uh, five minutes and no hit ball from Strasburg last night, could not find any offense. And the way the Cubs have their pitching set up, um, the Nationals are in trouble because they're going against Quintana today, and that's at Nationals Park, and then they get Leicester and Arietta back-to-back in Chicago, so uh, if the Nationals don't find a way to get the win today, uh, this could be a sweep.
0: Well, you never know, man, and, and I try not to say that in a pejorative way, but it's tough, man. I mean, excuse me, it's tough because I mean this is that time of the year, and this is what the Cubs are. I, I still think the Nationals are the better team. I really do. So, you know, the Nationals go with Scherzer today, right? So, I mean, you got to assume that he's going to be what he's been all year and really for his career. So, mm-hmm. hey, they got to get some runs. That's just it. I mean, you know, we could get into launch angles and all this analytic stuff, but bottom line, they got to get some runs. I mean, right. and, and nothing else, man. And I, you know, I generally don't have too many rooting interests, but I would love to see Dusty get a role series, man. And, you know, but hey, look, one thing about the playoffs, and I, I mentioned Tito earlier, um, you know, Terry Francona, he said, hey, look, man, um, you, you got to deal with some losses in the playoffs. Nobody's going to go through and sleep all these games. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Nationals, they lost, they lost, and they lost at home. So, let's see how they come back. Let's see how Scherzer handles it. I mean, you know, I think you're in a pretty good boat when you can go to him next. So, right. I think the Nationals get this game. Of course, like I said, by the time this airs, we, are, we already know what happened, but uh, I I like the Nationals, man. I still they have a chance. I still see them going to the World Series. So they better get it together, man. Because I I, I kind of already you know said that. So need to get it
1: out. the only thing that I, I I really don't uh I've had a concern with with the Nationals all year is they've had such a big lead all season. They've been coasting for so long. I don't know if they're gonna be able to just flip that switch to this competitive. You know. Atmosphere they're going to be in, you know, where the Cubs have kind of had to fight back the second half of the season and hold off the Brewers, so they kind of been in you know playoff mode, you know, for about the last you know seventy games here or so. So that's the only thing that that worries me about the Nationals is if can they just flip the switch and, and you know get to that ultra competitive level that the playoffs, um, you know, bring bring forth so we'll see if they can pick it up today um we're going to talk about one more thing concerning baseball in that you're real familiar with um the upheaval and the atlanta braves front office seems like there's a little controversy um about their uh, program as far as um, getting uh, dominican ball players into their system i can just kind of elaborate on uh, what's going on around the braves i know that made a lot of big news last week Woo, well where do i start man there's a whole lot of things so this this all this
0: all came out on monday of uh, well, I guess what this era on Sunday. So yeah, it's been a week since everything happened. Yeah. So the day after the season ended, you know, I get a text. by the way, I covered you know, for the audience, I covered the Braves for the Mary Daily Journal. So I'm there pretty much every single game. So I get a text message from, I can't say who, um, saying that copy, excuse me, John Capolella, the GM of the Braves is resigning today. And I knew that, I know the, the, I know the person would know those things. And I can't even repeat what I said back to the person because <laughs> I'm trying to do better <laughs> on keeping this more of a family podcast. But let's just say, you know, typically as a baseball writer, you're thinking, okay, well, season's over now. Let's start talking about free agency. What are they going to do? You know, so on and so forth, right? Um, who's who's going to be on the twenty-five man twenty-five man roster next year? That's what you're kind of thinking about as you're in baseball mode, right? So to get that text message and then i started texting some people and sure enough it was true and then it became well why so basically there's this practice and it's a commonly held practice in latin america that's called bundling where to be quite honest it's really not much different than what these ncaa teams are accused of where there are these trainers down there they're called buscones the buscone you know, takes care of a guy's equipment and tournament fees and all these different things. And then when the guy signs the Biscone gets his money back through the guy going to the major leagues, getting signed by major league team. Right. So it's really a complicated, elaborate system. And quite frankly, it's really not much different than human trafficking. When you factor in these guys are going over international waters to get to America. Right. And then especially mm-hmm when you factor in the Cuban players, I mean, you know, considering everything that's gone down there, I mean, this is a very serious thing that John Capolella was doing. But guess what? There's 28 other teams doing the same thing. Problem is Capolella got caught, you know. Well, he got told on more than he got caught. And so basically he's not the GM anymore. And now the Braves face some sanctions. There are still people being investigated, which will also be very interesting to see how that plays out because, um, they're investigating Gordon Blake. No, excuse me, Gordon Blake they already got fired. They're investigating Brian Bridges, who's the director of scouting in America, which the American draft is one of the things you're basically being accused of, are making what's called pre-draft deals, which, I mean, it's pretty standard. I mean, think about it. You, you watch the draft, done, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you'll be on Twitter, and Woj, for, say NBA draft, Woj will be like five picks ahead of the right. podcast, right? So how does Woj know that?
1: Right, they've got to have told, something you know I mean? I mean, yeah, in place, right?
0: This. Yeah, and so how So how? Did, so how does well, Woj get that information? Well, obviously somebody's giving it to them, but how would they know to give it to him? Because there's already an agreement. You, you see what, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, So it's yeah. the same thing in baseball, same thing in football. I mean, it, it's not really – and the way the baseball CBA is set up, it's set up to encourage these pre-draft deals, whether they want to or not. So anyway, I, anyway my, my whole point of this is is – yeah, Coppola did some bad things. Braves are doing some bad things, but you know it's a baseball thing that's been going on. And I think at the end of the day, the Braves will receive some fines probably, and there probably will be a couple more people maybe in trouble. Like I mentioned, Brian Bridges, who's over, who's over, who's over amateur scouting in America, like the American stuff. And then also, there's probably going to be Chad McDonald, who's over international scouting over in Asia, places like that. The Braves just actually just signed a really big-name young Asian player, for instance. You know what I'm saying? Kid mm-hmm. kid, from, kid from South Korea. You know what I mean? So, okay. you know, like, yeah, I mean, the Braves have definitely been doing it. Because the other thing, too, is keep in mind, and I don't know how in-depth the baseball audience is, so I'll try to kind of make this real simple. Um, there's a kid, Ronald Acuna, who's supposed to be the second coming of Andrew Jones. And his signing bonus coming. in. You know how much it was done? Yes.
1: More than $5 million?
0: No. A little bit lower.
1: Oh, okay. Uh three point five. Lower. Uh, two? Lower. Wow. A million?
0: Exactly. <laughs> no, $100,000. That's how much he was signed for.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Yes. Ronald Acuna, who, you know, when they signed him, I think the Braves got him at sixteen. dollars um, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Ozzy Albies was $500,000, who's, you know, starting. Natsby Swanson, on the other hand, got four or $5 million. You know what I'm saying? Like, the yeah. Braves first-round pick they just got was a $7 million bonus and all that, you know, uh, how the packages work. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Maitan, who they're concerned about losing, he was a $4 million, but the Braves spent all of their pool money to get him. You know what I'm saying? Because basically how it works is there's a certain amount of money called the international pool, and that's what you spend. Typically, the signings are around $300,000 max because mm-hmm. they're trying to get as many players as they can. Right. So that being said, you have a lot of players right now who are in the major leagues that are outperforming, you know, some of these American kids who started out with way less money to sign. Yeah. But that, because that's, but that's how the system is set up. The system okay. is set up to, I mean, you know, it's kind of like America, right? I mean, but anyway, that's a, whole, <laughs> yeah. of, that's a yeah. whole other conversation. I'm really trying to like, well, let's shift it. Did-
1: but let's yeah. shift it to this. Um, Who do you think – Um, I know that, you know, John Sherholtz and Hart have been kind of, you know, running the front office kind of together, The you know, the operations part. They seem to be at odds right now of who they – what direction they want to go, if they want to groom the younger Sherholtz, you know, to come in and be ready, or if they want to go in a different direction. What's your temperature on who takes over the the seat of GM for the Braves right now? I
0: mean, well, look, they they want Dayton more, and that's not been – that's probably the worst step secret in sports. I mean, they want Dayton more. I think Dayton Moore wants to come, but there are some issues stopping that. One, Dayton Moore does not want to report to John Hart. If Dayton Moore comes from everything that I've heard, everything that I've been told, Dayton Moore wants to come in and run his own operation. I think in exchange for that, he would also then groom Jonathan Sherholtz. You know, John's about, what, 34, 35. Mm-hmm. Played high school ball, played college ball, played in the Braves minor league system, and You know, yeah, he has the surehole's name. Let's be clear; that's probably why he gets drafted out of Auburn. You know, he's an okay player, not nothing special. But and that's probably the reason why. I mean, uh, I mean, like his name helps him, but Mm -hmm. he has done all the things that you want a baseball man to do. You know, "quote unquote," which was one of the reasons why people had so much issue with John Capelela because they felt he didn't go through the same path. Like he never played. You know, which I I think that's kind of BS and it's unfair, but a lot of people held that against that man. So anyway, that's all I to say. I think we'll see Dayton more if John Hart steps down from his president role. What I'm hearing is that depending on the particulars of this investigation as to who knew what and when, if John Hart comes out of that okay, I'm hearing that the compromise would be Hart goes into a Advisor role, quote unquote,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which will basically mean he gets to keep his salary,
1: right? High consultant,
0: high yeah, consultant. Exactly,
1: exactly. See, yeah, come yeah, in three exactly. days a week or so. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, he comes in a little bit. He still got the house in Florida, so I think he goes to an advisor role. I think from there, Hart, excuse me, not Hart, Dayton Moore comes in as president, GM. And then eventually, because I think, uh, if I'm correct, Jonathan Schultz is running the farm system right now. So maybe Jonathan becomes like an assistant GM and then starts to be groomed, groomed to become manager. Excuse me, okay. general manager. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah, so yeah, um, Braves fans, you know, definitely an active offseason. Um, so be on the lookout for the happenings uh, surrounding right. them uh, this offseason. And, and, and
0: keep in mind, look, we haven't mentioned not one player. As to what, what they're going to do on the field, because it's so chaotic, um, we still don't know who the coaches are going to be at, because Snicker has to sit down with Hart to make that decision, and it's a lot, man. It's, it's a lot, yeah. lot, 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 lot of moving parts.
1: All right. At this point, just want to let everybody know that you are listening to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorenzo, and I'm joined by Tobias Wilborn. Uh, we're going to move on to NBA. Uh, and Tobias, we didn't get a chance to hear your thoughts on the two last major moves of the NBA offseason: the Dwayne Wade uh, leaving Chicago, linking back up with LeBron in Cleveland, and also Carmelo getting uh, over to Oklahoma City. Just kind of, you know, give us your thoughts on uh, how the, uh, those two players and those two moves changed the fortunes of those two teams.
0: Now, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, seeing how it evolves, right? Because, what was it, five, six years ago when, you know, LeBron takes his talents to South Beach, he was doing it to play with Wade, right? Because Wade was the alpha dog, the, right? Or whatever
1: The, the Yoda for him winning a championship.
0: Yeah, exactly, right? And so now it's flips, and now Wade needs LeBron, you know, just to not even win a championship. To even be relevant because the Bulls were trash last year. And quite honestly, a lot of it had to do with Wade. Um, Wade and uh man, what's the point guard? Um that bought the kid from oh, Rondo. Ron Ray John Rondo, they had issues. And that issue permeated throughout the locker room, the locker room splintered. It was a bad vibe up there. Cause basically you had Jimmy Butler and Wade on one side, you had Rondo and the and the kids on the other side. It got ugly and and Wade was part of that. Like, he just was. And Wade was part of that. So, I say all that to say, I do think that Wade needed a second chance. I do think that this makes that Cavs team interesting. I don't know who they're going to guard, but it looks like they can score. I mean, because we still haven't talked about Isaiah Thomas. He gets back in January. and then we still haven't talked about D. Rose, who's there. If, and if he's healthy, yo, I, I think they have a chance to do some really fun things. Um, does that mean they beat the Warriors? Because all this is about the Warriors. All this is about beating the Warriors, which I kind of, which I like a lot. Because teams are doing the best they can to compete with Golden State. So good on the NBA for not just because everybody could have just rolled over and they said, okay, well, Golden State's got KD, they got it, and they said no. Now you go down to OKC. Look at what they look what they did just three months ago. We're saying, oh man, Westbrook needs some help. Well, they has got some now, right?
1: Yeah, um, and he signed his uh he signed his max deal uh, after they got Carmelo as well, so he's locked in. Oh yeah, you know,
0: it's not it, it him for doing it on on Katie's birthday too, right? I
1: mean,
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, here's the thing, right? He had he had the offer since like July first. Mm-hmm. Also, too, can you imagine sitting on a two hundred million dollar offer unsigned for that long?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, that's a good luxury to have. I guess you know. Ooh,
0: I'm just saying. Can you imagine? Just being like, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would, I would be like in bubble wrap, dude. Like, uh, say he gets hurt, and they don't, like, then all of a sudden they're like, "Uh, oh, nah, about that contract." Yeah, we're, we're good. I mean, I would, be, I'd be in fucking bubble. You hear me? I wouldn't go anywhere. I, man, look, I'd be scared to work out. I'd be scared to move wrong. Let dude. alone
1: having a dance contest with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. huh?
0: Right, right, right. All the moving and stuff, man. No, bro. Man, you been a, man look, you better lost your money. Because it's unsigned. So if, if, it's, if he doesn't sign it, then it goes away, you know? Like, they, just, they just tear it up because it's just paper. But shout out to Westbrook, man. Get Hey, secure the bag, man. Get your money. Good for him. And, you know, I think Paul George sees that. I wouldn't be surprised if Paul George ends up staying now. I wouldn't be surprised depending on how things go, particularly – with Melo and Lala maybe not being whatever, you know, because I do think a big part of their thing was him being in a major city. Well, <laughs> it seems like her opinion isn't as important anymore, and he can go to OKC. So I still think Melo got a lot of game in him, and I still think Melo will be a better. I mean, look, he's never going to be a no, he's never going to be a lockdown defender like that. Ain't him, but but. I do think he can be more engaged on defense. And I also think that he can be a more efficient offensive player. And I think that, I think they'll work it out, man. Guys like that, they work it out. Now again, do you beat do they beat the Golden State Warriors? I doubt it. But it makes it more fun.
1: Do you it's think that guys. Oklahoma City overtakes Houston as the second best team coming out of the West now?
0: I don't know. Because and you know, I, and I know in this business, like people don't like. I don't know. I think I don't know what's a great answer because we don't know. But I, I, I do know this. It's going to be fun to watch. Can you imagine a playoff series, like say a, a Eastern Conference semifinal mm-hmm. with OKC and Houston?
1: Yeah, and, and don't forget Ooh. about the Spurs. You know, the Spurs going right, of agree to it a little bit Spurs. too. So
0: I mean, you know, so yeah. I mean, can you? I, like I said, I mean, you look at that top half, and I think Minnesota's going to be better than people think because. That boy, Carl Anthony Towns, is a like bad, bad man. Um, New Orleans—they still got the big, the, the, those two big guys down there. I mean, by the way, shout out to Kentucky, man. Is there a school? All right, because remember when you know UNC and Duke when they were having to run some of those guys to the pros, but none of them ever did anything in the pros. Mm-hmm. But Kentucky, all those guys do stuff in the pros, man. D. Fox. I mean, we can go on down the line, man. Like when Kentucky yeah. gets a guy. Yo, Cal is amazing, man. I, I, I and I hate to get off on, on a tangent here, but you know, I was just I was literally just going through a name of players. You know, you look at Carl Anthony Towns, you look at Boogie Cousins, you look at um, you know, Anthony LeBrow,
1: Davis, right? huh? Anthony Davis, right? Anthony, yeah, Davis? Anthony
0: Davis, yeah. I mean, you look at all these kids, man. Ju-
1: Julius be- Randle starting to look like he's you know shaping up out there in L.A. Like he's going to be something.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, yo, Kentucky, Kentucky. I, I can't think of a school. That has had a run of that many good pro. I mean, maybe UNC in the eighties when like Jordan and Worthy and them and Sam Perkins was coming out. But
2: yeah,
0: you know, I, I I would have to get somebody who would know more about college basketball. But I can't think of a of a coach. And then if you go back to what Kyle was doing at Memphis with all those guys, like mm-hmm. kyle has got to the pro to the NBA. He's a pro and he's ready to play mm-hmm. and he contributes. Yeah. It, it's it's just amazing to me.
1: Uh, another big topic that came out of the nba uh, this week was a change in the all-star game Uh, we will still have the eastern and western conference fan vote and you know reserves being picked you know by fans but this time the two leading vote getters will become captains and they will be able to select from the pool of players that are voted on as starters and reserves Uh, this is a kind of a concept that they kind of stole from the nhl Uh, they kind of they used the world and the USA format for a long time. And then they kind of scrapped that and went to more of a, this pickup game type, uh, format for the All-Star game. So I think the NBA is doing a really big disservice by not actually showing this as part of the All-Star weekend. Apparently, you know, everything is going to be done uh, in private as far as picking the teams and and everything like that. But I think that this would actually add a really intriguing uh, part to, you know, that Friday night All-Star weekend, you know, to see the captains come out and everybody dressed up in their uniforms and they pick the sides. I I don't
0: know. I kind of wish they would just do it. I wish they would do it right before the game. (laughs)
2: <laughs> like yeah.
0: football style. Like, like for real, like you just have ball you just have ball sitting there uh i mean like you do the friday night you do saturday night the way you do saturday night right because mm-hmm. cause they're, they're they, they were the their regular team stuff anyway right and you know you do that or whatever saturday night
2: mm-hmm.
0: right and then i would say friday night shoot man excuse me saturday night yeah the all-star you know dunk contest point contest all that stuff right you do that the way you would do it then sunday the game you know, you you get up about you get you know, about an hour early, and just if it if it's Curry and LeBron, you just sit there and just let them pick right there, like straight up, straight up old school street style.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, Set up. Yeah, up that guy, l- I, I would I that that would just be fun. I mean, they won't do that for a lot of different reasons, but it would just be fun. Like you know, you still have a coach, and then okay, or or if you want to do it, then make it make that a part of make that a part of like Saturday night.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Guys like sitting there lined up.
1: Just ready to
2: go. Yeah, I, it's like, a, I,
0: want, I, I want him. I want
1: him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a made for TV event for sure, especially with the NBA, because you know that's basically how everybody you know plays basketball anyway. As you stand out there and line up, and everybody you know you choose, and you know who would get picked last, who would get picked first, you know, would LeBron pick hey. Kyrie? Would you know Westbrook get picked by Curry? You know, just so many different.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: and there's it, things, there's layers to it, right? Because then it's like. You know, I'm, well, since Isaiah Thomas won't be back until January, he's not going to make the All-Star team, for instance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just is Kevin Love an All-Star again? And then does LeBron pick him? Or LeBron try to go at Kevin Love? You know what I mean? Like, there's just so many different, like, little things. And, you know, yeah, like, it would have been guaranteed that LeBron and Kyrie would have been on the same team. Now it's not. So, right. yeah, I think it's going to be – like I said, I mean, they're going to they're find so many ways to have fun with this, man. I I hope whatever they do, they do make it public.
1: Yeah, eventually. Yeah, hopefully somebody gets into, um, you know, the ear of the NBA and realize that this would, it would be a huge ratings draw and, and bring well, yeah, a lot I of mean, attention. I just
0: think it would just be fascinating to see to sit there and watch, like Steph. And, and assuming it's Steph and LeBron, which I think it probably will be. Uh, I think it's a pretty safe assumption. I think they're two, they're the two most popular players in the league, right? Very right. yeah, particularly for East and West Conference. Um, I think it would just be so fun to see them just sitting there and just pointing, well, no, I want this. And then have us explain each pick and why they picked this person that this that or you know or even better, like if you get whoever the coach is gonna be in there and then like LeBron and the coach are going back and forth and I mean it can be fun, man. It can be so many different things. Cause let's say cause it can't be Brad Stevens because Brad Stevens was last year and it can't be Kerr. So let's say assuming the Cavs are where they should be. Then it's T. Lou and LeBron are sitting there. And then say it's Kerr, and let's say, I don't know, let's say the Spurs are the team, right, because it can't mm-hmm. be Kerr. So let's say it's Curry and it's Popovich. <laughs> and they're just sitting there, and they're going back and forth and saying, well, nah, man, you need to get this guy. Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of a coach here stuff. Well, I'm the captain. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it would just be fun, man, I'm saying, like. And you know, and most of those guys for the most part, they all get along, so it'd be fun. But yeah, it would be it'll be intriguing. And I think the NBA, I like that it plays into its own drama, you know, that you know, and, and we don't get into the gendered drama queen stuff like they do if say Odell Beckham has a little bit of personality, is a diva. And I by the way, I I hate that terminology. I hate that we do that shit you know yeah. it's just childish and it's sexist and it's homophobic and everything else and I love that the NBA allows those guys to have personalities and have emotions and feelings and not like certain guys or like certain people I, I think that that's fun and I think that the NBA has definitely strongly positioned itself as the second most popular sport in America and I wouldn't be surprised one day they pushed the NFL out but that's all the conversation
1: They've they've they figured out what the NFL has figured out for a long time is how to make their season relevant the whole year. And this offseason was one of the craziest ones. I mean, going back to July 1st last year when KD signed uh, with the Warriors and all the talk that led up through the season, then you get the season, and then this offseason has just gone from the time the Warriors won the championship all the way up until a week before training camp starts. And they, you know, we've had some type of big NBA news. It seems like every, you know, couple of weeks or at least once a month. So, you know, they're more relevant than they've ever been, you know, as far as staying in the news, being a part of the news cycle and just to talk. So, you know, good job to Adam Silver. I think most people are more excited about this NBA season than they have been in a long time.
0: Well, yeah, because the other thing too is as good as, the Warriors are like last year was a little bit discouraging to be honest starting the season. Cause when KD went there, I mean, you, you pretty much knew that it was over. You knew, you just knew, you just knew it was over. Right. Um, I mean, and even myself, I kind of was like, well, maybe it take a little bit of time to gel, but nah, it, we knew. But mm-hmm. now this year, it, and I still think the Warriors are the best team in the league. Don't get me wrong.
1: But, but the gap is a little bit closer yes, than it was.
0: Yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. It, I mean, you know, we barely touched on Houston, but them getting Chris Paul with Harden, I mean, that's going to be an interesting team. You know, um, I mentioned OKC earlier with those three guys, they're going to have, man, they're going to be an interesting team. What an angry Carmelo Anthony who's mad, you know, what, he's like player number 50 or whatever <laughs> on the ESPN list. Which, by the way, I, look, I full of scores I go to the list, I didn't vote him that low. But I didn't vote him as high as he – would want to be either, but I ain't voting that low. I ain't. I can't do them like that. But, <laughs> but you know, I know some people who did vote them that low, and quite honestly, they had some reasons for it. I mean, you know. Anyway, I don't want to get all analytically and nerdy there, but I, I could. I, I could see their point, even if I don't agree with it. Right, but, all right. but all that being said, it's gonna be a fun season, man. Like I said, I, I I still think the Warriors are gonna win it, but I think it's gonna be a lot harder. And I think that's what people want to see, you know, that, you know, certain teams have a chance. I mean, you know, you look at, like, you're here in Atlanta, and you know the Hawks don't have a chance of doing nothing. But even they have a couple of interesting characters, and interesting stories. I mean, you know, we didn't talk about the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis Antetokounmpo and hopefully, prayerfully, a healthy Jabari Parker, man. That kid is so special. And you look at what they've been kind of doing to get themselves together. Again, not saying they win the East because that still belongs to the Cavs, Uh, Greek Freak is hungry, man. He's coming. So there are so many compelling characters and people throughout the league. And tell you what, man, they've done a really good job for themselves. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this season is going to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, just a reminder that you are listening to Know the Score. This episode is being brought to you by the fine people over at audible.com. They're offering uh, a free audio download. And a 30-day trial. And the way that you can get that is by visiting our website, www.cspn.us, clicking on the tab that says Support Our Sponsors. Click on Audible, and there you can get to choose from over 150 titles, and they can be played on your iPhones, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So, um, you know, go to Audible, get you the autobiography of Tommy Smith, or if you're into wrestling, Jim Ross, just uh released his new book um his it's called um my uh slobber knocker my life in professional wrestling so yeah go over it to uh, audible.com use uh, by cspn.us and uh, get you an audible download free 30-day trial and uh you know get you something that you've been meaning to not necessarily read but now you can listen to it on your travels or during your you know daily work or whatever so audible.com through cspn.us do it today We're going to shift over to the NFL. Uh, Big news was off the field as uh, Cam Newton done it again. uh, Press conference. He course, everybody knows by now, uh, made a disparaging remark towards a lady reporter for the Charlotte Observer. Uh, Basically, he thought it was funny that a female would ask him about running routes, and that sparked a huge controversy, uh, led to Kim losing a sponsor, Um, he had to come out and issue an apology, which was probably about 12 hours too late, but nonetheless, he finally did uh, craft an apology. What would be your advice to one Cameron Newton, the bias as far as him and his handling of the media going forward?
0: Uh, man, I mean, shit. What what what, what can I say? I mean, look. I mean, he said a bad thing. I think he he knew it was a, well. I, I don't think he knew it was a bad thing. I thought he thought it was. I think he thought it was okay. You know, which is it's kind of. I want to be careful what I say here because I, you know, I want to. I mean, look. I don't think what Kev said was okay, right? I know it wasn't okay. It wasn't cool. You know what I'm saying? And you would think that he would be smart enough not to, but for whatever reason, he thought it was okay. So there's a part of me that wants him to be who he is. Like, don't be somebody you're not. Like, if that's what you believe, then that's what you believe. Or that's what you think, that's what you think. Like, don't, you know, put on airs for me. But, you know, obviously our world doesn't do that and can't handle that. And, you know, so you know he got you know he got his spanking for what he did you know he was wrong and what i hope is he learns from it and actually learns how to interact with women beyond having sex with them or you know seeing them as not being able to understand football concepts but again right. that's something that he has to want to do you know what i'm saying
1: right right like that's now, something go ahead i'm glad i have you on because you know, you've covered the Hawks, you're covering the Braves now. just How common is it for the players, at least the star players, the players who you guys, you know, talk to at least every day, um, how common is it for them to at least know your name and have that kind of uh, um, relationship with you, at least first name or last name kind of relationship with you?
0: Well, I mean, okay, all right. I- I'm going to say it like this, because right? I've I worked in different situations where, I'm not there every day, and I've been in situations where I am there every day. Typically, if you're a beat writer like Jordan is, she's there every day. There's two people, there's two people who work that beat for the Carolina, for Charlotte what's it called?
2: Charlotte Observer. Observer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, well, anyway, um, which that paper is a whole other conversation to itself. But um, Joe Pearson is the number one on that beat. She's the number two. Typically, how these beats work at these papers, you know, the ones that can still actually afford to cover sports. Um, she, she would basically fill in the gaps from where Joe misses. Like when Joe writes a game story, she writes what's called a sidebar sidebar, typically an accompanying story. She'll also do features, things of that nature, or maybe she'll write the game or Joe, write Anyway. So, you know, basically she bolsters the coverage and I'm pretty sure she travels with the team. Right. So she's at every single practice, every single availability. Because typically that's how it is. Like, the TV people are probably there just when the quarterback talks, maybe one other time. But she's there at that facility every single day. Every time the media can be there, she's there. And she's been on the beat for, I think, a year now, according to what I saw. So, yeah, you would assume that Cam would know her name. You would think he should. But, you know, we also live in the area where, quite honestly, Cam Newton doesn't either. How many followers Cam Newton got on Twitter?
1: (laughs) Millions.
0: I'm serious, like literally millions, right? I mean, and then right. on Instagram he has millions, right? And then he has Facebook, so he doesn't need Jordan Rodriguez at the Charlotte Observer to get his message out there. Mm-hmm. And I say that as somebody who I I'm in those like, I would say about seventy percent of the Braves players know my name. You know what I'm saying? Like a couple of them just don't bother trying to pronounce it correctly, which is like and which is annoying in itself. But right. for the most part, either they don't know my name, just because some people are lazy and they just is don't like learning people's names. Some people are just like that, which is unfortunate. But I would say for the most part, most of those guys know my name because I'm there every single day. Like every time the clubhouse is open, I'm there. So by sheer virtue of being there. Even if they don't ask me directly, typically they'll ask the PR guy, hey, what's that guy's name? Mm-hmm. Or he's with what paper? That's how it's typically done. Oh, that's new bias. He's blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So anyway, I, I, forgive the long answer. If y'all need to edit it, edit it out, whatever. But um, you would think that Cam Newton would know her name because she's there every single day, even yeah. if he does not talked to her directly every day. She's Mm -hmm. there, and you know, she writes for the biggest outlet in that market. But, and I mentioned the paper earlier, that's also a paper that's been very, at times, racist in its coverage towards Cam Newton. So, I could see a scenario where he, and this is not me justifying what he said or me saying what he said was cool, because I'm gonna get to the next part of this too, right? Because there's two different things that happen here. All right, obviously, she had her racist tweets well, let's be honest, Cam didn't know shit about her racist tweets because he didn't know her damn name. So that <laughs> argument doesn't... The argument just doesn't fly because how would he know about her... T- I'm, I'm pretty sure Cam Newton doesn't follow that woman on Twitter. And I'm pretty sure he's never seen her tweets because he didn't know her damn name, right? So right. let's let's cut that shit out. But, but what is a concern is how that paper has treated Cam Newton over the years. So there's a chance that Cam Newton could, could... Have not known her name, and it's something I wouldn't tweet because it would take too many tweets to say what I'm trying to say, and people would just see one tweet, and I don't feel like dealing with all that bullshit. But um, I could believe that Cam Newton didn't want to know her name because of where she worked, right? Because of how that paper has treated her, and there have definitely been, there's definitely been some historic poor treatment. Like remember the Super Bowl run and those letters to the editor and all that stuff that they that they ran and they said some really bad things that trafficked in racism about Cam. And quite honestly, after all that, that's when Cam kind of went all lives matter. You know, you remember. So mm-hmm. I could see how Cam could see her is, because she came October last year, right? So I could see right. how Cam could see her and be like, oh, she with that paper? Yeah, fuck that bitch. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. right. I, I could, Now, I'm not justifying it, and I'm not saying that he should call that woman out her name. I'm just saying that I could... Understand how that because I've been in those situations. I've had extensive conversations with people because they didn't like a headline. I ain't write mm-hmm. a headline, bro. Um, or they didn't like something I wrote. Well, is it true? Well, yeah, but I ain't like it. Well, I'm sorry, bro. I can't. So those things do happen, like that. And but she's there anyway. It, it's kind of complicated, but he yeah. should have known her name at least. Right. Out of just basic courtesy, but I could also see how he wouldn't because he doesn't need her, which is, which is still wrong. Cause I mean, that'd be like, that'd be like saying, well, just cause you don't need somebody doesn't mean you have to be nice to them. You understand what I'm saying?
1: Right. Right. Or be respectful to her because exactly. she is, she is yeah. at work.
0: Yeah. Cause she's there. Like, it's just, you know, it would be like, well, I'll tell you this. He knows her
1: name now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, let's shift to some some on the field stuff right quick. As um, last week the St. Louis Rams, uh, you know, got one step closer to making people believers as they went into Texas Stadium down there and beat the Cowboys. Came from behind, held the Cowboys to three points in the second half. Ended up putting up close to thirty themselves. Uh, Ty Gurley had a breakout game, three touchdowns, caught a long pass to basically put the Rams up for good. Uh, Rams defense, like I said, in the second half really showed up, shut down Ezekiel Elliott. Got th- uh, Dak Prescott to make a couple of mistakes, and the Rams are three and one. And this week they're going up against the Seahawks, who are also three and one, for the supremacy of the N- a- NFC West. What are your just overall impressions so far of the Rams, and, and are they for real? If they beat Seattle, I you know this week I think everybody will be on board with them.
0: NFL, who knows?
1: Yeah, week to week, but uh, they've been pretty consistent. And uh, golf has looked a lot better. McVeigh definitely proven that he is definitely a a quarterback whisperer. As a guy who looked like he couldn't play last year, looks it's one of the highest rated QBs in the league. Like I said, the Rams lead the uh, NFL in scoring thirty five points a game. So, well, I mean, I mean, but who who, who what defenses
0: have they been playing? Against? You know what I'm saying? Like right. And, and, I, and, and I'm not saying that to be you know condescending. Kind of I don't mean it that way. It's just that it's. It's hard to know who's – even four games in, it's hard to know who's good. I mean, I look at the Buffalo Bills, for instance. They came in. I was at that game. They beat the Falcons, right? At home. Yeah, at home. You know what I'm saying? I mean, are the Bills good?
1: I think the Bills might be – have a little bit more of the uh, the testing that you were looking for because they came back and followed that up with the, they beat Denver as well you know which everybody believes is a pretty good team especially on defense and tyrod taylor did work against their secondary he had the highest rated uh qb uh passer rating that denver's given up in the past three seasons uh about Tyrod Taylor. So I think the bills may be a little bit closer to having people believe in them than the Rams. It's like you're saying the Rams have kind of, you know, Cowboys defense, you know, secondaries is, is is in shambles. Uh, Sean Lee did not play in that game. So their linebacking core up the middle was a little soft. So, you know, if you want to say, you know, this week is their true proof of game because everybody knows what Seattle's defense is. I'll, I'll definitely agree with you with that. I
0: mean, you know, and, you know, but, hey, man, you know, Santa Sharp likes me on his miles ahead, so, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, like I said, I mean, I my, my jury's still out because golf looks good now, but the NFL is an adjustment league. Let's right. see what happens as teams continue to adjust him. But, hey, look, he's, he's looked a lot better, and it's just crazy, man. It's like, you know, there was a time in sports, and I'll say about this in baseball, where – He's been known thing that you don't judge a player until he's played for three years in the mm-hmm.
2: majors, right?
0: Now, and when guys were coming up through the minor leagues, you spent a year at each level. Like, say mm-hmm. if you get drafted out of high school, right? So you're 16, you're 18, 19, you get drafted out of college. Well, you're 21, 22, whatever, right? So you start out, you spend maybe a full season then single A, then you send, then you spend a full season in double A. Then you maybe spend half a season, full season in AAA. Then you come up that fourth year. Then, then after three years in the majors, then we can say, well, this is who Bryce Harper is, or this is who Mike Trout is. Now, a guy has a good month in, in single A, they want him in the majors.
1: Right. I've noticed that a lot too. That they've been a lot of teams have just been skipping AAA with their guys in general, right. and just mm-hmm. sending them straight from AA straight up. And then if they falter or fail a little bit, then they send them back down to one level to AAA. Is is that because they don't want them to get mixed up with the uh, salty veterans who only see them as a bonus baby and might not try to help them, or is it just that they feel like, oh my gosh, we got a star, we just need to get them? No, up here.
0: it's more, it's more. They're just rushing, man. Okay. That's it. It is rushing. and but I, I I was trying to make that analogy to my point of what happens is
2: is
0: now what we're doing in every sport is we're making these full judgments on players, um, not even a year, not even a whole two years. Like quarterbacks, like it used to be a time. I was gonna, I was making an analogy with quarterbacks, like Aaron Rodgers is the last you know first round draft pick quarterback that we've seen. Actually, sit for two, three years.
2: Yeah. And learn. Like now
0: it's okay, quarterback gets drafted, Dak Prescott, he has two good games. And all of a sudden, well, he's going to be future Hall of Famer. It's Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's see what the guy does over a while. And vice versa, the guy has two bad games. Well, he's never going to be anything. He's a bust. I mean, I look at like Vic Beasley, the defensive lineman for the Falcons, right?
2: His mm-hmm. rookie
0: year was mediocre because he's a damn rookie. He's still learning how to play in the NFL. He's still learning how to be a pro athlete.
1: He's probably learning how to get to the stadium.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to practice and the facility. It just I mean, because, you know, I think sometimes we forget, in particular, like if you don't cover this stuff, and, you know, a lot of people who who talk the most on TV are so far detached away from the locker rooms. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what's going on with people. You don't know why it takes a guy a little bit longer. Because sometimes it just takes people longer. Right. Like, right. I would imagine most of us, when I mean, we turn pro in whatever profession we're in, we weren't the greatest out of the box. I, I look at TV people, right? Like, nobody starts with their first TV job hosting the 6 p.m. Sports Center. Where do you mm-hmm. go? You go to West Bumblefuck for a year, or two years, three years, or whatever. They get you right. in, right? Then you get out of West Bumblefuck, and maybe you end up in, you know, somewhere like a Memphis or somewhere like a Charlotte. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. so. Right. And then maybe if you do well there, you end up in uh, a Houston or an Atlanta or a New York or whatever. And if you do well there, maybe you go national. Maybe you, you get what I'm saying, like right? There's right. A progression, and but often with these athletes, they graduate college or they come out of high school and they're expected to be the best in their field, and it just takes time. So anyway, I start saying, I don't know what golf is yet. He's had a couple good games that have been impressive. I want to see how he does as teams start to adjust to him. Because, you know, when he first came in, the defenses were doing stuff he didn't, he never seen before. Right. Now, he's adjusted. So, let's see what happens when people adjust to him. Then I can really truly say where they're good. But they're off to a good start. They do a lot of things well. And, you know, speaking of people who were thought off for dead, shout out to Todd Gurley.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man. McVay is a really good coach, man. Offensive minded coach. Um, the the knock on him in Washington was that he didn't really stick with the running game. But to be honest with him, he didn't have anybody as good as Todd Gurley running the football. So it's a lot easier to kind of be committed to the running game when you've got a guy like Todd Gurley who can take it, you know, 70 at any given moment. So, you know, offensively, um, they're well ahead of their defense, which is kind of surprising. Um, you know, they got Wade Phillips in they're kind of rearranging their style of defense. So if they can kind of keep their offense sustained to where their defense catches up, um, the Rams could be a problem. They could be, uh, you know, definitely on the edge of a playoff berth. Maybe not this year, get in, but definitely, you know, have people looking at them next year as a for sure, definite playoff team. Um, we're going to go over to a team that's really struggling right now, and that's the New York Giants. New York Giants had a lot of fanfare coming into the season. Uh, people thought that they were going to definitely be a challenger for the NFC East, maybe even be a surprise in the NFC uh, championship game this year, uh, adding Brandon Marshall to their offense. Everybody thought that, you know, they would just be explosive, high-flying, putting points up all over the place. And that hasn't uh, definitely been the case so far this year. So at 0-4, and a bias, um is there any way for the Giants to, to 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 reach their potential, or do you think that they should probably start looking for the future? Um, there seems to be a lot of highly thought of quarterbacks in this draft that maybe this is the year that they kind of get in position to start their future without Eli.
0: Um 0-4 is tough, man. 0-4 is really hard to come back from and, you know, make the playoffs. So I don't think they have much of a choice. They're not good, so I don't think they have a choice whether they want to be good or not. I think if they, if they, if they, wanted to, I think they thought they were going to be good, they'd have a choice. Oh, <laughs> they're going to be doing it on purpose. They're just going to be baggers or bad because I mean, they're
2: bad. You're right. <laughs>
0: what, what else are you going to say? I mean, you know, I am curious as to the health of that star receiver. I'm really worried as to what's really going on there, is Odell okay, like what's really happening. There's a lot of things going on in that team, and, you know, they just don't have a really great – I mean, look, when Eli has a good offensive line that protects for him, and he doesn't get those happy feet, he's still a top-ten quarterback in his league. When he doesn't, he's bottom five, man, and it's bad. Right. right. And the Giants, I mean, they they don't have an offensive line, man. I mean, yeah. you know, you look at like the Seahawks, man. They they spend all their money on defense, which is great. You know, they have a great defense, but that offensive line is trash, man. I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta balance that thing out, and it and it's really tough in the salary cap era, which again is also to what I'm saying, but it makes the NFL so blase sometimes, man, because it's really hard to build a good team, a good well rounded team
2: mm-hmm.
0: with the current CBA. So that's why every team has a hole. I st- I still think, from what I've seen, even though the Falcons lost against the Buffalo Bills, because they may be the Buffalo Bills better than we than we think they are. We all who they thought they were, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and circle the wagons. Um, but I still think the Falcons, at this moment, are the most complete
1: team in the NFL. Even the
0: Falcons got holes, but they're still the most complete team in the NFL, in my opinion, right now.
1: All right. All right. Um, We had two major quarterback injuries as Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota both got injured uh, this past week. And it's funny because they both got injured last year on the same week and they you know, Derek Carr broke his lower leg, and Mariota broke his leg on the same week, too. So um, these two guys are linked up with getting hurt on the same day. Looks like Mariota may not be as injured as a first-feared um, hamstring pull uh, strain rather than a pull. He may play uh, this Sunday. Um, they really had a poor performance after he went out. The Texans and uh, Deshaun Watson really put on a show Um Texans defense really ate up the Titans after Marriott went out. But uh, the more concerning and pressing issue is Derek Carr. Uh, two years back-to-back back here where he's, you know, going to have to miss him. Maybe not as much time as we think. They think maybe he may be able to play in a couple of weeks. Um, but they said, you know, four to, uh, two- to four-week injury here. The Raiders have kind of been disappointing, and now they have to go to EJ Manuel as uh, their quarterback. I, I, I think the Raiders are in trouble if Derek Carr has to miss more than two games. Um, for a team that seems to have such a very good offensive line, Halle Touted, uh, he's taking his fair of hits. Um, are you worried that Derek Carr maybe is going to get the rep? That he's injury prone.
0: Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> reputations Do- come from a place, right? I mean, like. You don't just make up stuff. I mean, I don't know. Well, that's the, I worry about his rep. I'm worried about his body, and it would suck, man. It would really suck for that kid because he could play. Yeah. He's got, he's got, and I hate the phrase arm talent, but he's got it, man. That kid's special, and he can move. It's just, you know, look, man.
1: The two injuries have been kind of freaky, though. We had a guy literally get kind of roll up on his leg last year that. Uh, cause a broken, lower broken leg. And then this year he's getting tackled and he's basically down on the ground and the guy kind of trips and knees him in the back and breaks the yeah. two transverse uh, bones in his back. Uh, these are non-weight bearing bones. So, you know, he can work out in the pool and and uh, do various things. Actually, you know, by, it's the same injury Stone Cold had when he was uh, not wrestling for that little bit of time on SmackDown where he was just doing the comedy yeah. stuff with Kurt Angle. Yeah, yeah, he had the same injury. So, you know, it's not a, you know, debilitating injury. It's just that, you know, you have to kind of stay off of it for a couple of weeks until those bones can at least, you know, get strong enough to take some type of pounding. So hopefully he doesn't have to miss too many weeks. But in that division, uh, you know, with the way the Broncos are playing, the way Kansas City started out 4-0, you don't want to get too many more games behind. Well, I mean,
0: no, you don't, man, because I think Kansas City is good. I do think they're good. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know, but they're a good team. They're fun to watch, man. They do a lot of things right. But, yeah, I mean, on the injuries, man, it's just – what can you do? What can you do, man? I mean, you can't do anything. I mean, football is just a dangerous game, even when (laughs) it's not a dangerous place. (laughs) I mean, the game – I mean, think about it. You have a whole league. The CFL is like, yo, we're taking tackling out of our practices. Mm -hmm. In order to practice football – you have to play football. So now, what they're saying is, yo, football is too dangerous to practice. But they're really, I mean, really think about that. I mean, they're saying it is too dangerous to practice football.
1: Well, you guys are well, too valuable to get hurt while we practice football. We'd much rather you get hurt when these games count. When the games
0: actually mean something, right? So, but 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 think about that. Like that's where we're at with this, and yet we still keep sending our kids to play. So, and I, and I don't even want to get all deep off into that, but uh, you know. We gonna have some. We got to do some evaluation on this thing, man. Because uh, can't keep sending these kids out there like that, man. And you know, and there's no real way to make the game safe, man. Right. I think they're doing. I think they're doing a great job for the most part, other than playing games on Thursday and stuff. But I think they're doing a great job for the most part. It's just.
1: Yeah, and and you know why I can tell because the other night on that Thursday night game when Danny Treveson lined up Devontae Adams from three yards away and hit him helmet to helmet. Uh, 15 years ago, Don would have been like, oh, snap, that's the best hit I think I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, oh, my gosh, that's awful, and he probably should be ejected and at least suspended for a couple of games. So they've done a lot to change the culture as far as the violence in the game, which is definitely good.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we remember everybody, we, we used to watch the big hit videos, all that stuff, man. I mean, NFL used to market those. So, I mean, you know, they've done better. Or the segment, the jacked-up segment they used to mm-hmm. do on – I mean, you know, they're doing better. It's just...
1: It's a tough, tough way to make a it, living.
0: It's, it, I mean, it's a dangerous game, man.
1: All right, All right. Now, the, we'll do one, uh, another preview as the Packers are going to go down to Texas and play the Cowboys. This will be a high-profile game. Uh, Cowboys have been struggling. Uh, teams have you know, basically loaded up, stop Zeke and uh, made that Prescott try to beat him. And in the two games that teams have been successful with kind of slowing down Zeke, that has not been successful. Uh, the Packers come in. Uh, they're banged up at wide receiver, of course. Um, running back, Tom Montgomery, he's got broken ribs. He probably won't play. He'll probably be a game-time decision at best. Um, do you have a read on how you see this one playing out? Um, you know, last year they had one of the best playoff games. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, got some of that magic at the end, got the Packers in position to kick the game, win a field goal, not the Cowboys out of the playoffs. Uh, so this is basically a rematch of that. Um, do you have a read? Do you think that, you know, the Packers can, can tear, keep Dallas off the field on offense long enough to kind of cover up their defense. Cause their defense has got some holes in it as well.
0: Well, I mean, again, these are two flawed teams, right? But that's the NFL. They always seem to have flaws, but um, I think Packers win. I have a special reason for it. Other than I think the Packers are better. Yeah. I don't, yeah. don't I, I I think the Cowboys, they did not invest in their offensive line the way they should have, and when Dak doesn't have protection, there's just things that he misses, and he's not good right now.
1: It doesn't and, seem uh, like that, that the only yeah. thing that they've really done to kind of increase his uh, responsibility is they're going a little bit no, more no-huddle, and he's doing a lot more, you know, changing plays or recognizing plays at the line, but it doesn't seem like that they've really expanded the offense as far as made it a little bit more complicated with the routes and the concepts.
0: Well, I mean, but that's what you're supposed to do, right? As he continues to progress, he's supposed to pick up more of the, expand the playbook, as they say. Problem is, is it's hard. I mean, again, he's a second-year guy. Right. He had a lot of success last year off having this really stout offensive line, having Ezekiel Elliott ball out because of that offensive line, and this sure ain't happening. You know, that's, that's, NFL's tough, man. Right, right.
1: Well, that's, you know, NFL action. We got a bunch of good games this week. got the Panthers and the Lions. They're both 3-1. They're going up against each other. We got a 0-4 bowl this week as the Giants and Chargers are going to uh, face each other, Phillip Rivers and Eli that's Manning. game. I think it's in uh, the Chargers. I think it's in L.A. I'm not sure, but I oh, think it's in it's L.A.
0: More. So let's get back. So like, who's gonna show up in there? The Giants fans gonna show up? Or? <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to go. I mean, that's gonna be bad. They, yeah, you, you saw what, like the Eagles, like all those Eagles fans went. So. Ugh.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're having a hard time uh, filling their st- that stadium. And it's a, the smallest stadium in the league, and they're having a hard time filling it with Charger fans. So they might be playing a 16-game uh, road season. And that might be kind of what the uh, Raiders face next year in Las Vegas. Um, you know, it's going to be a kind of a destination. Hey, I'm going to go see my team play in Vegas. And, you know, it may be more of the other team's fans there than Raiders fans. So that would kind of be interesting to see how that plays out next year. Yeah, man,
0: it's, I, I think the Raiders would be a little different. I think they have a like, more dedicated fan base, but we'll
1: see. Yeah, yeah. So at this time, the boss, just open it up for, you know, uh, any closing remarks or final thoughts that uh, you'd like to, you know, share here with the fans.
0: Well, yeah, man, um, we talked about the Cam Newton, Jordan Rodriguez thing earlier. I just kind of to make sure I make it really clear. Um, what Cam Newton said was wrong. It was reprehensible, and he should have apologized. And hopefully he apologized to that woman face-to-face. What he said does not justify, does not excuse her racist comments that she made however long ago she made. And clearly she wasn't smart enough to delete them. Or maybe she forgot about them. Who knows? So I think she has some questions to answer as well because is she racist? Does she really believe that stuff? Or was she just tweeting just to be tweeting? Who knows? I don't know that woman. I've, I think I met her once, you know, but I don't know her, so I can't really comment on if she's a racist or not, but uh, she's got some questions to answer. And how she answers those questions will be, quite honestly, the tell of what her career will be. I think she's like in her mid-20s, so she's still young. You know, she's got a good gig. If she does well with that, she should continue to go on and do other things. But the main thing, more than anything, is I think these athletes have to learn more positive attitudes towards women and just people in general that aren't them, I think, so often they get into these bubbles because they're making so much money. You don't know how to relate. You know how to relate mm-hmm. and you know how to be around other people. And well for Jordan, she's got some explaining to do. And also I think the Charlotte Observer has something to do as well because uh how did she get the job with those kind of things on her Twitter?
1: Right. Right. Um my final thought will be that um October is the best month to be a sports fan as all the sports are in the session right now, even French sports like NASCAR, we've got world cup qualifying. We've got NHL season just started up. we got baseball playoffs. Um, football isn't, you know, month into it. So it's the only time of the whole year where everything is going on at one time. And it makes for just crazy television viewing. I, I, I know Thursday night we had college football game between two top 25 teams. We had an NFL game. We had a baseball playoff game going on. So, it's just a really fun month if you're a huge sports fan. Uh, everything is, is, you know, at full swing right now. So, um, you know, October is my favorite month as a sports fan. So, just kind of my final thoughts. So, for my guest host today, Novice Wilborn, I'm Don Rente, And now, you know the score.